Father in heaven, we thank you again for your many blessings. We thank you for your leading and guiding. And Lord, I just pray again for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for his presence and may he truly lead our study and our thoughts that you may be glorified. We may be challenged and encouraged to, uh, to do friendship evangelism. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start here with friendship evangelism, and I'm going to start with a passage. It, it's a key passage, actually. Um, uh, it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Later we'll deal with the rest of the verses to this passage. But it's when Jesus was 12 years old, okay? And, and as you know, uh, have you ever lost a child? You know, sometimes I, I remember having three, and then all of a sudden there's only one, and I wonder where the other two went, okay? Um, we almost lost one of our sons in a Paris airport, because he went off, like, his own direction, but anyway, I wasn't there. My wife was there traveling with the three overseas. But anyway, this is when Jesus, when it, he's in the temple and his parents go off, okay? And for how long? Remember, how long was he missing? Three days. Three days. He wasn't, though, missing. <laughs> they were missing, okay, which is interesting. And, and, and this is his answer to them when they're talking to him in the temple. And this is when he's 12. He said, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Now, now that's an interesting question, right? Why are you seeking me? We would think, okay, well, I'm seeking you because you're my son. You're my child. Okay, But he had more to this question than just that. He said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Okay, Everything Jesus did was very intentional. Friendship evangelism is not just talking about the weather. Friendship evangelism is a very intentional process. And we have to be very intentional about the friendships we make because there is a goal. We want those friendships for eternity, not just for now. Okay? And so what Jesus does is very intentional. Matter of fact, it says here in Desire of Ages, page 151, Jesus saw in every soul... One to whom must be given the call to his kingdom. How many souls? Every soul must be given the what? Call to his kingdom. Now, we just got done with Christ's methods, right? What was the last method of Christ's? He bid them follow me. Now, this says Jesus saw in every soul this what? Need for this call. So every soul must go through Christ's method. Okay? He says, He reached the hearts of the people by going among them as one who desired their good. He sought them in the public streets. It's almost like you're hearing ministry of healing again. Okay? Going among them as one who desired their good. He sought them in the public streets, in private houses, on boats, in the synagogue, by the shores of the lake, and at the marriage feast. I mean, Jesus is meeting people everywhere. And He's doing it intentionally. Okay? Sometimes the reason we can't get past the weather in our conversations with people is because we're not thinking about this friendship as beginning with a very specific purpose and a very specific goal. And I want to go somewhere with this. Okay? Jesus did this everywhere. He met them at their daily vocations and manifested an interest in their secular affairs. He carried his instruction into the household, bringing families in their homes under the influence of his divine presence. His strong personal sympathy helped to win hearts. Jesus is very intentional, even at the age of 12 years old, he says, I must 
be about my father's business. Do you seek me because I'm your child or do you seek me because you want to know what the father's business is? Why do we seek him? Matter of fact, when James and John run after Jesus, they're standing... James and John, I think it is. Anyway, or two of the disciples of John the Baptist, okay? They run after Jesus. After they find out he's the Messiah. And Jesus asked them a very important question. Right from the beginning, he says, what do you seek? Because Jesus, is, Jesus knows why he's there. He knows what he needs to accomplish. And that's what he's all about. In our Christian walk, what are we about? And is it intentionally spoken of when we are developing friendships? You know, I remember it, and, and, and I learned this a lot in canvassing. Because, you know, when you go to the door, you're there to make friends. And by the way, you take a general interest in them at the door. But you have to make friends within about a five-minute period to get to the place to where they're going to buy a spiritual book. And in your conversation, you can converse about things and you find a little hook and you bring it back to the books. And then you listen and you talk and then you bring it back to the books. And you listen and you talk and you bring it. I was very intentional. But I learned it's not just about selling books that we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional just like Christ and everywhere we go with a very specific purpose to go somewhere. And this is what drives our prayer life. This is what drives what we do. This is what drives where we go. Jesus is very intentional in his friendships. Wherever Christ went, he was intentional, taking his instruction everywhere. Everywhere. Jesus was a master of reaching the human heart. He reached the human heart because he knew why he was there. He knew what he needed to share. Okay, This will play into some other things a little bit later. Regardless of his or her background, every person walked away feeling respected, loved, and valued by him. Okay, They felt respected, loved, and valued as he sought to call them to repentance while he gave them the truth, bringing them to a point of decision. It's one thing to walk away feeling respected, loved, and valued, but nobody ever makes the call. Nobody ever bids them to follow him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we go, we go halfway, but we never finish. Okay? You know, I like running races. I ran a couple marathons a few years back. I'm just starting to get back into running because I was doing it to where I was doing 50 miles a week. Um, and, and I wanted to do an ultra marathon and I was really, really working at it. But I, the finish line was everything. You know, you just wanted to finish. Okay? Sometimes we kind of haphazardly go about our friendship evangelism. It's like we do it to feel good, but we don't do it to finish. Okay? And, and, and Christ was a finisher. Okay? Because he wanted their eternal salvation. That's the goal. Okay? So, reaching the heart. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Interesting. Um, notice with me. There's some keys in, in friendship evangelism that are important in this intentionality. Okay? I want to take a look at Acts chapter 16. Okay? Verse 16 through 18. Now, this intentionality that we're going about friendship evangelism, there's a few points we just need to keep in mind. Okay? We need to keep in mind. Okay? Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18. Now, I, this is an interesting story. It says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Was she not telling the truth? Now she's possessed by a what? And he's telling the truth. Okay? But notice, verse 18. 
And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed. Paul's annoyed. He's annoyed with her doing this time and time and time again. Okay? So what does he do? He turns and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So Paul let this go on for a little while. Um, but it was annoying. It was the truth, but it was what? Annoying. You know, sometimes we can communicate truth in a very in annoying manner. Okay? Plain truth, if not revealed in the correct way, at the correct time, can be damaging. Okay? This woman, though possessed with a spirit, she's sharing the truth. Okay? The demon is sharing the truth. And Paul is getting very annoyed. It wasn't in the correct manner. It wasn't at the correct time. And Paul cast out the demon. Okay? Christ does. So, one point in being intentional is not to be over-intentional. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, for instance, I keep going back to canvassing because you see this a lot in canvassing. Students will memorize a canvas. Okay? We want them to memorize because it helps them so they don't have to think about what they're going to share about the books that they're going to share. But they can be over-intentional at the very beginning because they're like robots. Okay? Oh, I learned this, I tell you this. And they just, and that's what they do. There's no conversation. It's just, hi, my name is, and I'm working on a scholarship program, and do, 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 and they go through it. They learn how to say their canvas in one minute. Okay? The problem is, yeah, problem is, I asked my son, did you get it in a minute? He's like, yeah, I just got it in a minute. The whole canvas, like on five books or whatever. And so he does it in a minute. The problem is, is they take that one minute and they go to the door and they say it all in one minute. And they just like, it's like the floodgates are open. Okay? The thing is, is when we learn truth, sometimes the floodgates are open. Okay? That's not friendship evangelism. That's like just letting it go. Okay? So plain truth, if not revealed in the correct way and at the correct time, it can be damaging. Okay, uh, from the book Evangelism, page 446, it says, here is a lesson for all our ministers, call porters, and missionary workers. That's all of us. When you meet those who, like Nathaniel, are prejudiced against the truth, do not urge your peculiar views too strongly. Right? Talk with them at first of subjects upon which you can agree. Bow with them in prayer. And in humble faith, present your petitions at the throne of grace. Okay? Both you and they will be brought into a closer connection with heaven. Notice, what was that? You and they. Friendship evangelism is not for you to talk and only for them to listen. You both, if it's done right, you're both blessed in the process. You walk away going, I can't believe I said that. That was amazing. I've never said that before. And you learn from even some of the things that come out of your mouth. I've done that. Lots. We'll be brought into a closer connection with heaven. Prejudice will be, be weakened. And it will be easier to reach the what? We keep coming back to this, right? Reaching the heart. Okay? So we have this given to us. Okay, John, I'll come back to this in just a minute. Um, timing, friends, timing and coming across too strong are huge issues in friendship evangelism. Timing and coming across too strong. Now, I'm going to get to Luke in a little bit, and Jesus actually gives us a method of communication that brings all of this into mind and helps us understand. Often, new converts can come across too strong, and to them there is no such Thing as timing. We're not thinking, we're just what? We're speaking, we're just out there, we're just... My goal is to say as much as I can, as, as quick as I can, because I don't know if I'll ever see him again. Okay? But remember, it can be damaging because the next person they meet, okay, will have to deal with the... You know, it's like canvassing. When you go canvassing, sometimes when you talk, you can create objections 
and not even know it. Rather than there to break objections down. So what happens is sometimes my communication can be damaging because I'm setting up objections and then the next person later has to break them down. And so it, it becomes this longer process. So we just need to be aware. So notice with me, John chapter 16, verse 12 through 14 says, I still have many things to say to you. Even Jesus with his disciples couldn't share everything. There are times when at this point in time, I can't share everything. Oh, I really want to go there. I'm sure maybe you've had experiences like that. Oh, I'd really like to share this. But you know what? I can't. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, excuse me, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Now, I love this. Jesus is like, I'm here and I'm sharing with you. But I can't share everything with you, but I'm going to send a comforter and he's going to pick up where I left off. Okay? Now think about it. As a church, if we were working that way in our community, sometimes I may take a friendship so far and so somebody else may take it a step farther. And so you have to be aware that as I'm communicating, sometimes you are the friend that's going to take them all the way through. Sometimes you're only the friend that's going to take them part way through. But you have to look at it as we're working together. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, they work together in everything. And where Jesus couldn't take them, the Holy Spirit was going to take them. Okay? And so there's a cooperation that takes place. This is why we should communicate to our church friends what friends we have in the community, where they are, what they're doing, what they're not doing, so that everybody's aware. Because I might just run into your friend. And the Lord may take that to another step. Let me give you an example. I told you yesterday, I will throw a picture up on the screen when I get my computer back working. I'll throw up a picture on the screen of the state of Michigan. Right now, we as Amazing Facts have 2,000 interests that we are working with. But guess who's going to have to take it over? You are. So we want to prepare them to a certain place so that now we can train you how to take it from there and finish it off. And that's how the church should be working. That's how God works. Okay? And so he says, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. I love this. It's like the Holy Spirit, he's not speaking his own thing, by the way, either. Okay? Notice, I want to go back. I want you to catch this. It's really important. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his what? on his own authority, now listen, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So, in other words, you may have one friendship that you're developing, and you may come along and be the person to take it, but you both need to be speaking the same thing. What happens is, is that when you're not speaking the same thing, okay, and you feel like, well, I'm going to do this with it, and you're like, well, wait a second, we were like to this point. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. But when it comes to the Godhead, the Spirit of God, this is a cognitive process that He's going through. Okay. And so He's processing this through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like He's passing His disciples along. Okay. And sometimes we do that in the church. So this is why Paul says there should be no divisions among you, but that you should all speak the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Okay, because it affects friendship evangelism. Okay, now unselfish service. So speaking the right thing at the right time, speaking the same thing among ourselves as we're doing friendship evangelism. Then there's also unselfish service. Okay, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy, what? The leprosy left him. Jesus didn't have to touch this man. 
Now, this is interesting about this. Jesus did, you know, Jesus, all he has to do is speak the word and it's done. Everybody else wants to avoid this man. He's got leprosy. Who wants to run the chance of getting leprosy? When I was in northern India, I had never seen leprosy before. But when I was in northern India, full, the train stations were full of people with leprosy. I'd never seen le- people missing parts of their hands, parts of an ear, um, just sitting on the sidewalk. When you walk by that, seriously, and, and it's shame on us for this, but it's like they're there, and I'm like, I'm walking over here. Okay? I didn't mean that intentionally when I was first there. But as Christ started working in my heart in a very specific way, it was like I wanted to go up and touch them. There's a difference. And Jesus, everybody else wants to avoid this man, but Jesus what? He, all he has to do is speak to him. But he touches him. He does something that, friend. this is friendship evangelism. Sometimes people just need you to put your arm around them. Okay? They need to be touched. They need to know, okay, that they can be cleansed. That was his desire. More than anything, Lord, if you, notice, follow this, if you are what? When everybody else isn't willing, Lord, are you willing? If you're willing. Everybody else, I have leprosy, they're not willing. But how many of us are willing? How many of us would take the time like Jesus to reach out a hand to touch somebody that needs to be touched? That needs to know. Now I agree, we're living in a day and age when touching can be very misconstrued. And we have to be careful, and I want to preface. We have to be careful. But when the Spirit of God is leading, and He's moving you to reach out and give a hug, or to shake a hand, or to show that they have this support, don't say no. Okay? Be the friend that Jesus would be. Reach out just like here, and touch that man. Jesus, okay, and this man, by the way, was healed, okay? And this is what Jesus was all about, unselfish service. Friendship evangelism, speaking the right thing at the right time, being cognizant, not saying too much too fast, understanding that your friendship may go all the way, But at the same time, it may not. You may have to take it to a certain point and somebody else is going to follow up and take it beyond that. And at the same time, you want to be unselfish in your friendships. You know, I remember when I was pastoring in Waterford. And uh, for Rosemary and I, our home was always open. Okay? And one time we have a a small group that always came to our house. It, It was small got to about 16 sometimes, and we'd have them all in our house. After church, we'd all like go to our house, and we'd study until like 7 o'clock at night or whatever. And, um, but one time, Rosemary and I were really tired, and uh, we went upstairs. We thought, okay, everybody's not here yet. Let's go upstairs, and let's lay down for a minute. Bad thing to do. <laughs> lay down, close my eyes, and the group's all in our front living room. They're all sitting down. They go into our kitchen. They get stuff out of the refrigerator. They're like, where's Marshall and Rosemary? And they're waiting like 45 minutes. In an hour. Wait, let's call. And they call me, and my phone's sitting right next to me. And I'm like, hello? And they're like, yeah, Marshall. Like, where are you? Sorry. And they heard us come running down the stairs. I'm like, okay, let's go. And... uh, But the thing is, unselfish. Open up your homes. Open up your hearts. Okay? This is what we invest. Your home is not yours. Okay? If we're a disciple of God, it's God's. And and it should be there for friendship evangelism. That's why God gives it to us. Go to your neighbors one by one, or have your neighbors come to you one by one, and come close to them till their hearts are warmed by your unselfish interest and love. One other experience... Uh, when we were in Montana, Rosemary was getting um, to know this lady next door, her and her husband. 
and she was into Mary Kay, and my, my wife really isn't much into Mary Kay, but she's like, yeah, come on over, and I'll see what you got, and open it all up on the table and throw it around, and she made it all up, and she did different stuff, and, and they were just chatting and talking, and then we come to find out they've been watching Amazing Facts. Didn't even know they were watching Amazing Facts. They had been watching them, and she lived right across the street. I could walk out of my house 20 yards that way and enter their house. And then she finds out, so she's like, and then later we find out, oh, they're watching Amazing Facts. And then she comes to her house one day, she says, I can't believe it. She knew we were Seventh-day Adventists, because we told her, she was asking through the friendship. And she's like, we realized Doug Matcher's a Seventh-day Adventist. He's like you. And then it just encouraged more conversation. It was just so cool to see how, you know, there are people literally right across the street, you have no clue how the Spirit of God is working with them. But there's friendship evangelism. If you're into it, they're all around you. They're all around you. It's incredible. Okay? So, some of the things for friendship evangelism that we can do. Okay? Um, Bake bread or cookies. Visit the sick. Now remember, these things get the friendship going. But remember, you're getting the friendship going because you want to finish. That's the goal. Now you may not be the one, you may be the reaper, you may not be the sower. You may be the sower, but you may not be the reaper. You understand. But you're doing all of this with the end goal in mind, even though you may not be the one to finish it. Do you understand? But you have to think of the others who will as you're making that friendship. Okay? Bake bread or cookies. Visit the sick. Invest. Invite a guest at church to your home. Ask questions, which will reveal. Now these two I'm going to spend a little time with. Ask questions, which will reveal your genuine interest in the person. Listen, listen, listen. And then what? (laughs) Listen again. You know what? I'll be honest. My objective is not to put you in the tank, but that's part of the process. So I know we're going to get there, but my goal is to see you in heaven. And I realize, and, and beyond that, it's to, and I'll break this down in just a minute, it's to expand your understanding of where you already are and where God wants you to be. The, the thing is, is that our objective, though, is to make them a, a member of the family of God. But that doesn't mean I don't take a genuine interest in them as a person. Where they're going, what they're doing. I mean, Rosemary and I still have contacts from years ago. We still keep up with. Why? Because we have genuine friendships. And I think that's, that's the key thing. But it doesn't avoid where we're going, how we're going there. But you're right. We, we have to just be genuinely interested in the person. You're right. So... So we do these things, like I said, to gain friendships. Jesus did this, as we were just reading, everywhere he went. You know, Christ was very intentional about what he was doing. People don't mind you being intentional, as long as you take a genuine, genuine interest in them. Okay? And, and so that doesn't mean I tell you what all my intentions are the first day I meet you. Oh, by the way, I want you to do this, and you're going to do that, and then you're going to end up preaching, and then you're going to become Seventh-day Adventist, and then you're going to... I don't, you know, I don't share all that. But up here, that's where we're going. Well, here's the thing. We, right now, I'll be honest with you, we're in a church where most people are members and not disciples because they've never been taught to teach or they never had the expectation from the very beginning, that they would teach. If you study the Bible and you understand the disciples were individuals who knew they were going to teach what they were taught. But we have a lot of people that don't understand that. They come in and that's great, but they don't understand there's more to this. Then, you know, in my discipleship groups, when we get to a certain point, I'm talking about church, how the church operates. I'm talking about all that in the process. So I'm training them how to then function in the church. You know, so I think there's a balance of both. There's that balance of both that we need to have that you're talking about. So listen, listen, and that comes to this. Listen, listen, and listen again. Share what God has done for you. Now, I'm going to break this down, this listen, listen, listen. Um, Go to Luke chapter 2. Notice with me Luke chapter 2. Now, we read, I started with the first verse in verse 49, okay? And this is what Jesus' intentions were. 
Very clear. Remember, he said, I must be about my what? Father's business. And then he says, what do you seek? Do you seek just a child, or are you seeking to know what the father's business is? Okay? This is why it says later, you know, Mary pondered in her heart and all the things that were said. Okay? So Luke chapter 2, because even the parents needed to be brought back to what his mission was. It wasn't just their child. Okay? So Luke chapter 2, notice with me verse 45. It says, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, it says, now so it was that after three days they found him in the what? Temple. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both what? Listening to them and what? Asking them questions. Now, this is really interesting. Start with the last verse first. Jesus knew what his father's business was, therefore he knew how to listen. It guided his listening skills. Okay? Second of all, because he knew how to listen, he knew what questions to ask. Okay? Listening is not just have an open ear, did you hear what they said? He's listening intentionally. He's asking questions intentionally. But these were all based on his father's business. We need to know what our father's business is in friendship evangelism. If we are going to listen correctly and ask then the right questions that we need to ask. Okay? Now notice it goes on. Now this is what happens when this takes place. So then it says what? It says, and all who heard him were what? Astonished at his what? Understanding and what else? Answers. Now get this. Think about it. He was listening and asking questions. Now he's giving understanding and answers. What does that imply? If he goes from asking questions to giving answers, what does that imply? They're asking questions. So this is the key. It says, all who heard him. Not everybody there had heard what he was asking, so therefore they never reciprocated by asking questions. But those who asked questions basically then gave him permission to give a greater understanding. See, what we're, friendship evangelism is not, I want you just to know what I know. Friendship evangelism is about, I want, as a Christian, as God's last day people with his last day message, I'm going to take you where you are in your understanding and I'm going to expound upon your understanding. Okay? So Jesus, it's like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When they came to him in Matthew chapter 22, okay, and what happens there is he says they're talking about the resurrection because they had an understanding that there was no resurrection, the Sadducees. Because in the Old Testament, it doesn't mention resurrection. Jesus says, how do you read? What is he doing? He's, not, he's showing them that there's a greater understanding that they don't have. That's what leads to baptism. That's what leads to church growth. That's what leads to all these things. It's, in friendship evangelism, it's about expanding people's understanding. But you don't get there until they start asking you the questions. But you start to get there by listening and asking them the questions. Let me give you an example. I had a lady that came into our church one Sabbath in Waterford. And a, and a church member had given her the book, The Great Controversy. She came up to me after church and she said, I disagree with this book. Now the church member who had given it to her was standing behind her. And I, I see the look on his face. But here's the problem. We would think automatically from the very beginning, the problem is the book. I need to deal with the issue of the, great, the book. So we would think, when you hear, I have a problem with the book, you would automatically think what? Brooks the problem. Is the book the problem? No, it's not the problem. Okay, it's what's the problem? It's the understanding. It's understanding. Okay, so what we did was, as I said, well, and I started asking questions. Okay, so I listened to her, and then I started asking questions, and I was listening more. 
So I'm like, okay, so give me an example. I was like, could you give me an example of one issue that you have? Question. She's like, okay, the state of man and death. I said, oh, okay, so what is your understanding of? What is your understanding of that? I want to hear you first before I give you my understanding, because if I don't, you're not going to care what my understanding is. Okay? So then it's like, oh, well, what's your understanding of that? She's like, well, what do you do? And then she comes to the Bible. What do you do with it? Now she's asking me a notice. She's starting to kind of ask me questions. Well, what do you do with the verse in Revelation? I'm like, then I, I didn't answer right away. I said, well, what do you do with the verse, you know, the souls underneath the altar? Okay, in Revelation 6 there. I said, well, what do you do with the verse in Hebrews? So I asked her another question. She's like, verse in Hebrews? She's like, what verse is that? I was like, oh, another question. Now she's asking me for an understanding. So then I went to Hebrews, and I showed her the verse. You know how Abel and his blood and how it still speaks to this day? And she looked at that, and she said, she never... And we're not even talking about the great controversy. We're totally off the topic of the book because I didn't want her to become discouraged because the issue's not the book. I don't want to get into the spirit of prophecy with her. Okay? So then she's like, she never saw that verse before. But by the way, she kept telling me over and over, I've been a Bible student for 35 years. I have been studying the Bible for 35 years. And we went through this, and then she's like, the next question out of her mouth was, do you have a Bible study group that meets during the week? Why? Because she's ready. She realizes, I need to first hear what her understanding is. Then from there, when she starts asking me questions after I ask her questions, okay, then she's open. She's responding now. She's opening her heart, saying, I'm ready for an understanding. That's what friendship is evangelical. We want to get to the place we can expand biblically on people's understanding. Yes, sorry. Right. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to assume that that's the case. I want to know, but you're right. That's exactly right. I just want to make sure I don't assume that, and I'm going to work at where you're at to bring you to the place. And I shared with her, I said, listen, I said to her, I said, you know, the Bible has foundational beliefs that it's important for us to grasp first. And I encouraged her, I said, I would put the great controversy down for right now, and I would just study the Bible on these beliefs, our 28 fundamentals, right? Our 20, and, and then I'll encourage you to go back and pick up that book, and I'll bet you won't have any disagreements with it. Okay? So this, is, this asking questions and listening, Jesus is doing this at 12 years old. Okay? He's giving us the clues how that we can get to the place. The goal in friendship evangelism is to expound on people's understanding. But here's the thing. We don't often listen enough to understand how they understand. We never really get to that place. You know, we're so quick to move on. Okay? And, and you know, my dad was right. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Okay? So here's some other keys in this process. Okay, quickly, fort. I'm sure you've all heard of fort. How many of you have heard of fort? Okay, in our conversations, just our general conversations, these are some things we can remember. Family, occupation, religion, and testimony. Okay, family, are you originally from this? These are some questions that you can ask. And, and by the way, you know a good way to practice this? I'll tell you this right now. A good way to practice this is within your church. You know, my, my, I have to be careful, because my sister's here too. <laughs> my sister and my wife were having a conversation one day when we were in Michigan, and my sister was like, I really don't know anybody in the church. Now, she's a Seventh-day Adventist, she's going to the Seventh-day Adventist church, but she doesn't really know many people. By the way, we don't know many people that sit next to us in our congregations. Okay? And, and you can actually practice this in church to get to know your own church members. This is where I would start. Matter of fact, I just had someone call my wife on the phone. And we have been in the church for two years. They have been in the church for much longer. And they said, you know more about the members than I do. She's like, and she said to her, and I'm jealous of you. Uh, wow. My wife's like, oh, what? If she's so honest, she, my wife's just like, 
I don't know. I just sit down and, and this is actually what she does in church. And she told my sister one day, find five people and do this. And you will actually learn about your membership. And as you practice among yourselves, God will enable you to practice outside yourselves. Okay? So, fort. Ask somebody in your church. By the way, you're going to have a challenge this week to do this with somebody you don't know, but they're still a Seventh-day Adventist, so it shouldn't be scary, right? Right? Okay, welcome to AFCO. Anyway, you, are you original from this area? No, we're at camp meeting. It's like, not a, no, of course not. You, you may ask them something else. In what area were you raised? Does most of your family live nearby? These are just general. It starts general. You're intentional. You know that, but you start with the generalities. Okay? But you're going somewhere. Then you have occupation. What kind of work do you do? What type of training is required for this occupation? How long have you worked there? You know, I, one day I went out canvassing, and this was when I was a leader, not a student. And I was like, Lord, I really want to understand this. And my goal that day was just to go out and make friends. I didn't even care if any books went out or not. By the way, that was my highest day in getting out books. And all I was out to do was just make friends. And when I go to the door, literally in five minutes, I'd go through all of this. Okay? And learn how to go through this and make friends. It's exciting when when you're there to listen and you're looking for little evidences to move to the next step and to ask another question, another question. And then when they start asking you questions, it's open. Okay? So, occupation. If he's retired, you can ask, what type of work did you do? If he's unemployed, ask, what hobbies do you have? Religion, do you have a spiritual background? Do you find much time to attend a church in this area? Have you been Catholic, Baptist, Muslim, etc. all your life? And sometimes, before you get like the religion questions, sometimes you sprinkle in a little of your own religious experience. And that softens it. Because now it's not just me focused on your religion, but I'll share it with some of my religious experience. Yeah, I was in the Lutheran church for a while, my mom was raised Catholic, and, and I went to the Baptist church for four years, and, and I sprinkle that in along the way, genuinely, so that they're not as uncomfortable. It's like we're talking about the same thing. We're on the same page. Okay? And then testimony. Okay? You now have the opportunity. The last one is kind of that testimony. At some point, you want to get to that place where you can share about your testimony. You now have the opportunity to bridge this conversation into a deeper, more personal, spiritual conversation. Now, I want to talk to you really quickly about testimony um, in like three minutes. Because I'm going to actually draw this to an end. Um, But testimony. Notice with me Revelation chapter 12 for a second. I want to go to Revelation Because oftentimes when we talk about testimony, and we'll talk more about it here in the next hour, but oftentimes when we talk about testimony, we tend to just think about our lives, okay? In terms of our, and we tend to emphasize more the past, because that's like the testimony, we think. But it's really interesting in Scripture. There's some interesting things here. Like in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Okay, so two ways in which they overcame. How did they overcome? Blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. Now, when you hear this, what do you think? Word of their testimony. I can't tell you what I think yet. Okay, they're sharing their experience with Jesus. Okay, good. Somebody else? Okay, the word of their testimony. I appreciated that. Let's go to Hebrews for just a minute. I want you to, I'm going to basically come out on that a little more. Notice with me Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this what? testimony. He had this testimony. By the word of their testimony, they overcame. He had this testimony that he what? Pleased God. Now, let me ask you, what is pleasing to God? Okay. 
without faith, very good. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the? All right. So, notice what pleased God, okay? His testimony, which was based upon something. Notice Isaiah chapter 55, okay? Notice Isaiah chapter 55, verses, uh, we'll go with verse 8, 9, okay? And then verse 11, we'll just jump down to verse 11. So, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, 9, and 11, okay? All right, it says, for my thoughts, can I have somebody read 8, 9, and 11? I like readers, all right. Now notice, what does the word accomplish? Just read it there. What does the word accomplish? What it was sent out to do. But he says specifically, it accomplishes what I please. Enoch had this testimony that he what? Please God. So what was the basis of Enoch's testimony? The word of God. The word of God is what was central and what made up Enoch's testimony. It's the word of God that pleases God. And when we have this testimony, then God prospers us. Okay? So this is the thing. When it comes to the point of testimony, and we get to that place where we're sharing our testimony, it's our testimony that is based upon the word of God. What has been your experience with the Word of God? What has This is faith. And when we nurture faith, remember we were talking about nurturing faith? What you're nurturing is people understanding the Word of God can be trusted. It can be stood on. There are truths in the Word of God. The Word of God is central. By the way, Jesus is central. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So, but it's in, in your communication, it's not like you're saying, okay, well, we need to obey God. It's they're seeing, and, and you're talking about obedience in this life relationship with Christ. Do you follow what I'm talking about? So you're sprinkling that testimony. Now, there are other things. We'll come to testimony a little bit some other areas. But the central theme of our testimony is the Word of God. And so what we share is our work and walk in the Word of God, okay? That's what pleases God, and God blesses in the process. So, uh, the fearful witness. Notice with me really quick, I'm going to close with this, okay? Wow. Matthew, because I need to give you a break. Matthew chapter 28, the passage we're very familiar with. Notice verse 16, okay? It says, Then the eleven disciples went away, I'll wait, because I hear more pages, and I love hearing the pages turn. All right. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some what? Doubted. Doubted. Now that's interesting. Before Jesus gets into this great commission, He's dealing with some that are what? Dealing with doubt. Okay? One thing in friendship evangelism that you don't want to go about Fourth, in friendship evangelism, and it takes time, but in doubt. So Jesus gives us these encouraging words in our friendship evangelism. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you how often? Always. In your friendship evangelism, how often is God with you? Always. You can always depend on Him. You can always cry out to Him. You can always, and He's right there. He's right there. And so we don't have to go forward in doubt. We can go forward in faith. And we can move forward and we can use the principles and we can pray that God give us wisdom in using them so that our friendships are for eternity. That our friendships are eternal. You know, Paul gave young Timothy some words of counsel. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So in our friendship evangelism, it's without fear, but it's in the power and the love and a sound mind. 
that we go forth to make friends. So, tools you can use. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Bridging events. By the way, in your pre-manual that you have, some of the things we're talking about are in your pre-work manual. Bridging events are one of them. This just helps us in our friendship evangelism. Things we do so we can make friends. Cooking schools, give quick, easy, healthy recipes, Family life weekend, strengthen marriage and parent. This is just to get us among the people or bringing the people to us. This is why we do them. But the goal of these is not the event in and of itself. It's to have friendships. It's to develop friendships. That's why we do bridging events. Okay? Sacred music concerts provide a suggested form for each attendee to indicate what they enjoyed, what could be improved, and if they like special prayer or a visit, dinner with a doctor, popular way of connecting with the community, um, offering free health lectures by physicians. So we have all these different types of bridging events. They're in your pre-work manual and some other ones as well. Okay. Notice this statement, Steps of Christ 115. Jesus dwelling in you desires to speak to the hearts of those who are not acquainted with him. Okay? With Jesus in our hearts. Now, here's the weekly challenge. This week, meet two families in your neighborhood or deepen pre-existing relationships with families on your streets. Bake them a loaf of bread. Bring them cookies. Do something here at camp, meaning out of the ordinary. We would do this if we were doing this in front of a church. We're here at camp meeting. Find a couple people. Go through four. Family, occupation, religion, testimony. Okay? Share what God is doing. Maybe share a Bible promise with somebody. Something based on Scripture. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your many blessings. So much to digest. But I pray you'll give us grace so that we can truly pick it up. We can understand it. And we can follow through for your honor and glory. We can train others to do the same. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.